This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What's going on? Welcome in to In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I am Jackson Schneider with James Wessling today. As uh, it is Thursday, we are on the downward swing into the weekend, the first weekend of football season. So much fun stuff on the horizon for us around here, but uh, still a lot to get to even tonight. The Chiefs play their last preseason game against the Packers tonight, and on Saturday, no. Nebraska plays football like there's there's a lot of area pertinent things going on football wise James uh, so it's hard to pinpoint an area for us to just begin like where, where do we even start that's a great question you know where I want to start so do we start there we could we could I just don't want to start on like a sour note you but, know but Not I will to... say it, it is a sour note but in my eyes it is the biggest local story of the day well take it away and that is that K-State All-American center, women's basketball player, Aoka Lee, announced earlier today that she will undergo season-ending knee surgery and will return to the roster and complete her graduate degree at K-State in the 2023-2024 season. So K-State's All-American, their first All-American since 2004, that was Lori Kane back then, is out for the entire season. And right before we popped on the air here, I think you said it best. It's shocking to see an announcement like this, and it's gut-wrenching to see something like this before the season even starts. So K-State will not have their All-American, who hung 61 points on Oklahoma uh, in a game last season. And for Aoka Lee, you know, fortunately, she has uh, been able to kind of battle through injuries, and for the most part, stay healthy during her K-State career up until this point, but these knee injuries go way back to high school. That's why mm-hmm. she wasn't recruited heavily out of high school. A 6'5 player like her with as soft a touch as she has should have had every top 10 program in the country coming after her, but she tore her ACL between her junior and senior year and didn't play her senior year of high school. That's how K-State kind of found her under the radar and then redshirted her freshman year at K-State to continue to heal and now she's going to miss what would be her, wouldn't be her last senior year. It would be her first senior year at K State. Um, so it's a tough blow to Jeff Benny and the Wildcats. It is, and they have a lot or had. I, I, I'm assuming they still feel very confident in the direction of the program. But th- when you lose a player of that magnitude, it kind of takes a lot of the uh, like the gusto behind the. We're going to be really good this year with a strong freshman class and a lot of returnees and some really good transfers. Like you lose your best player and that kind of takes some wind out of your sails. Although I feel like K-State's still going to be heading in the right direction, but it's certainly, it's, it's tough. I mean, she's scored over 1600 career points. She's closing in on a thousand career rebounds, has 235 career blocks. It's unbelievable what she's been able to do at Kansas State. And like you mentioned, she's the first All-American for K-State in a long time. And she's she is nationally renowned for what she's done on the floor. So being without a player like that is it's a tough blow, especially to have it happen before September. I mean, teams 
are working out and things, but like their season hasn't started. They haven't had their true camps. They're not really preparing for the season yet. They're just in workouts, but they got her. She got a surgery over the summer in hopes that she could be back in time. It's just not, it's not in the cards after, I guess, talking with medical staffs and, and multiple opinions over the last few days, it appears it's just probably going to be better for her to take time in recovering so that she can be better next season and be her full self rather than trying to play at 50 60 percent all season yeah and you used the word gusto there and i think that's very well said because after her big 61 point game and after k-state upset baylor who was in the top five at the time their first win over baylor in 20 some years it really felt like k-state was uh, gaining some traction and, and getting some gusto surrounding the program from the fans. They made the NCAA tournament. They won their first round game against Washington State, so they made it to the round of 32. And this was going to be the best team that Jeff Mitty has ever put on the floor. No doubt about it. Not even close. He was finally starting to put some pieces around Aoka Lee. He had his best recruiting class last year that were going to be sophomores. This year, they brought in some really good transfers. And this team from top to bottom, I I thought, could have contended uh, for a Big 12 championship. Now, Baylor and Texas are always in the way, but they would have been in the mix and they would have been a a, a lock for an NCAA tournament bid. Now, if Jeff Mitty, who just got a contract extension over the summer, he's going to be with K-State, I think, until 2028 now on paper. If Jeff Mitty gets this K-State team to the NCAA tournament, he deserves Big 12 Coach of the Year. To put Aoka Lee's numbers into perspective, okay, she had better numbers last year than Michael Beasley had during his long season <laughs> at K-State. Okay, if you want a, a women okay. to, to man That's reference, impressive. Uh, her numbers in terms of her points and rebounds and blocks per game were better than what Michael Beasley did during his year at K-State on that's, the men's side. So she can ball. That's hard to believe, but that's that's really impressive. And I'm, I just pulled it up because I was curious, uh, but K-State – their schedule, non-conference-wise, is not a walk in the park this coming season. They're going to play Wisconsin at the uh, the Brewers Stadium, which we talked about at one point because we got it confused thinking K-State's men's team was going to per- be participating in that. And they play Iowa at home, and Iowa's a top 25 program. They'll go to the Paradise Jam and play Clemson and Arkansas. They'll host Houston, um, South Dakota State, They're going to play them at Municipal Auditorium in Kansas City, and they're a really, really good team uh, for being in the Summit League. Uh, And I say that kind of with tongue-in-cheeks because people don't really realize teams out of the Summit League can be good, but they've been in the top 25 frequently in the last several years. So this this schedule for Kansas State is is not going to be easy, and it didn't didn't get any easier with this injury either. So hopefully – They'll able they'll be able to put together still a really successful season, but uh, tough tough news out of Manhattan today. That's that's for sure. Yeah, and K State was kind of starting to build a little bit of a mini rivalry with teams like Iowa State, who have a lot of Kansas kids on their roster. I actually called the K State Iowa State women's game that was in Manhattan. Iowa State won, but they banked in a three at the buzzer to beat K State, and they were a top ten team at the time. So the fact that K State hung with them. The fact that they beat Baylor, as I noted, when Baylor was a top five team and Baylor went on to win the Big 12, just says a lot about how close K-State was uh, coming into this season to competing for a Big 12 championship. So tough break for the the Midi Cats, but I, I think that you know they have some pieces to still be competitive in the Big 12. But like I said, if they make the tournament, Coach Midi deserves Big 12 Coach of the Year, hands down. 
They really do. And um man, I'm 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 hopeful because I do think Jeff Mitty has a has a really good staff around him and I think he's a really good coach. But we'll see. We'll see where that takes K State here in this upcoming season. But uh switching gears to football really quickly, um Nebraska is opening up their season on Saturday, but they're doing it in Dublin, Ireland against Northwestern in a conference game. But the Huskers are two two touchdown favorites, James, in their season opener. And if you think back to last year, that I mean, Nebraska had their way with Northwestern. I think they won like 56 to 7, seven or yep. something crazy like that. So Husker fans are feeling pretty good, but uh, never really know what to expect with Nebraska in the last several years because they've had plenty of talent, but they just haven't been been able to get in the win column a lot, but uh, we're going to hear in just a little bit from Scott Frost. We'll also hear from a local high school coach in Mitch Gebhardt from southeast of Saline in our next segment. But before we get to that, I'm just curious how you're feeling about the Huskers and their season opener coming up on Saturday. Yeah, so coming into this season, if Nebraska can kind of, in a way, get out of its own way and if they can get the much needed improvement up front on the offensive line that we've been harping on them for months now if they can do that I think they can be an eight eight win football team I think they can completely flip the script from last year and get to seven and five or as I noted eight and four in the big ten they brought in four really solid transfers who are all going to start right away on offense two electrifying receivers in Marcus Washington and Trey Palmer. They brought in a grad transfer who's going to start at left guard, Kevin Williams. And then they brought in a new quarterback, Casey Thompson, who was really good at Texas last season. He was not the issue uh, down there in Austin. Defensively, they added Oshawn Mathis, who's one of the best, best pass rushers in all of college football last season. He played at TCU. It was a crushing blow to TCU when he departed this past offseason. And he came down to Baylor or Nebraska. And he chose the Cornhuskers. Defense also was not the issue last season for Nebraska. Uh, They were in every game. I mean, just the fact that they had every one of their losses was decided by a touchdown or less outside of the Ohio State game. And that final score was even misleading. That was closer than just as close as all their other close losses. Like I said, I, I just think that they have some pieces to do some good things this year. With that said... Northwestern remembers that 50-point beatdown from a season ago. They know they're a two-touchdown underdog. And these Ireland games, I just think they mess with teams. I have a tough time believing that one team is going to blow out another team when when you're, you're making that long of a trip and turning it into everything that it's going to be turned into with the media hype and just being in a different country. I just have a tough time believing this game is going to be a huge spread. I'm on the fence about it, and so, and I have a few different reasons as to why. Um, but I won't get too long-winded because we got to take a break here coming up. But Nebraska, just in doing some very basic research, Nebraska is six and four straight up in their last ten games against Northwestern. Not super impressive, um, but they're three and three against the spread in their last six games against Northwestern. Uh, those spreads have kind of been all over the place, um, anywhere from from Nebraska being an underdog to uh, four points to now what is, this one's thirteen. So we'll see how th- how that really comes out. But also, <laughs> the under is. Three and two in their last five against Northwestern. So, in if if the trends are telling me anything, it's that Nebraska should win. Uh, but 
there won't probably be that many points scored. And if there's not that many points scored, I don't know how I feel about the, the two touchdown spread. So that should kind of say where I'm at. Like, I think Nebraska will win. I just don't think that that number is where it should be. Like, I, I don't, I'm agreeing with you. I don't think it'll be uh, a blowout by any means. And I think, especially in the first game of the season, right. you don't really know what you're going to get in the opponent. Like, you've seen Northwestern every year for however many years. But that doesn't mean they're going to be exactly the same, and same with Nebraska. So there's just too many unknowns, and I'm really excited to talk more about this tomorrow as we really do get into like a football preview game mode. Uh, but uh, just really interesting stuff from Coach Frost that we'll hear here in just a little bit, um, talking about you know the flight and the team and how they've adjusted to being in Dublin for the last couple of days and all that sorts of sort of stuff that comes with it. Like you said, playing a game over. Over there, uh, but really good stuff from him. But we'll also, as I, I teased a little bit, hear from Mitch Gebhardt, the head coach of Southeast of Saline, right out of this next break. Uh, they have been an absolute machine in 3A football the last few years. Last year went 11 and 1, and their only loss was to Andale, who ended up winning the state championship and uh, hasn't lost in like three or four years now. Uh, So nothing to hang your hat on there if you're the Trojans, but they dropped down to 2A actually this year, and things kind of open up a little bit. But they're going to challenge themselves uh, playing some bigger classification teams, and we'll talk with Coach Gebhardt about the Trojans and what they see in their very near future uh, as we come back in just a little bit. He's James Wessling. I am Jackson Schneider, and this is In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Welcome back to In The Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I am Jackson Schneider with James Wessling in studio today. We've got some football audio to get to, but first want to remind you that In My Home is the home health division of OCCK. They're your local provider for skilled nursing, home health aid, physical, speech, and occupational therapy, all provided in the comfort of your home. Choose In My Home as your home health provider for quality health services. Yesterday afternoon, I had the uh, privilege of going out to southeast of Celine's football practice, uh, just kind of watching them get to work as the season gets closer, and visiting with their head football coach, Mitch Gebhardt. And if you're unfamiliar with the Trojans, they have been one of the most successful high school football teams in all of Kansas, in all classifications over the last couple of years. Uh, last Last year went 11 and 1. Their only loss was to the eventual state champion Andale, who's won like 40 games in a row or something crazy like that. Well, that was last year, and that was in 3A. This year, the Trojans moved down to 2A uh, based on enrollment size and everything. That they still play uh, some 3 and 4A schools, so plenty of challenges on their schedule this year, uh, but potentially a really good opportunity for them to make a postseason run. And, uh, and bring home a state title. But there's some high expectations there, and Coach Gebhardt and the Trojans team all know that, but they're not really worried about it. We'll get into that here in just a second as you hear from head coach Mitch Gebhardt of the Southeast of Saline Trojans. Out here at Southeast of Saline football practice today, Jackson Schneider joined by head coach Mitch Gebhardt. Coach, 
football season right around the corner, get scrimmages on Friday and week one next week. I mean, just really getting started. But what have you seen from your group so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about what our what, what these guys have done. Uh, we had a we had a good summer. Uh, the kids work well together. We had good uh, attendance at our school and uh, at our summer workouts and things like that. So, uh, you know, we're excited for that. And, and so far, our practices have been going pretty good. One of the most consistent programs in, in the area over the last several years on really both sides of the ball. And you and I were talking, you do lose a good crop of seniors from last year, but what you return, you expect a lot out of. What have you seen from that group in terms of growth so far? You know, some of those guys turned into leaders last year. And, uh, you know, they've, they've continued that throughout the summer and throughout uh, the start here at football. And, hey, I'm excited to see what these guys can do. Uh, step into step into even more of a leadership role now that uh, that good group did graduate, and uh, we'll, we'll see what they can do. But uh, I'm excited to see uh, the, the work that they put in, and hopefully it, it comes to comes to a head and we do a good job. An interesting change this year, dropping down a little bit to 2A, but still tough schedule, lots of challenges on on your side of things. But what do you expect to see from your group? I don't expect the the expectations in terms of winning and success to change at all. You know, and, and we, we, we preach we for years, 10-plus uh, years, we preach go 1-0 every week, and we want to continue to get better. And, uh, you know, with, with that, we expect our we expect us as coaches and, and the, the players also to be doing our best by the end of this football season. And uh, we, we try to go 1-0 every week. Our schedule's tough. And for us to do that, uh, you know, we've, we've really got to hunker down and, and do good every week in practice. And hopefully we can do that. And, and uh, you know, week one, we want to go 1-0. and now, you, you return a good group of guys, as we mentioned, that you st- expect to step up and play a little bit bigger roles, but there's already some guys who did play pretty big roles last season. Uh, can you just r- refresh some of our listeners' minds on who it is that we need to look out for this season and who you expect to play big roles? Sure. You know, I, you know, I think our receiving core, uh, a lot of those guys are back, three of them for sure, uh, Landon Allen and Michael Murray and Jacob Kebhart, and uh, those guys got played 12 games last year. And, uh, you know, we expect expect a lot of things from them. Uh, Luke Gebhardt, a quarterback, he started all of the games last year, and, and we're expecting a lot from him. Uh, Mac Chambers on the offensive line, uh, he didn't he didn't begin the year last year starting, but uh, um, he stepped into a role when Dalton Bunch got hurt last year, and, uh, you know, he became one of our best offensive linemen and then uh, did an outstanding job. So, you know, those guys on the offensive side of the ball um, – on defense, you know, our def- our, our secondary, uh, we have Michael Murray back and Jacob and Luke um, already. Uh, Daniel Kerr will be our other guy uh, as a safety there. And he played a lot of downs last year. <laughs> Linebacker-wise, Mac Chambers and um, uh, Caden Isaacson are our two inside guys. And uh, Caden started every game last year and did an outstanding job. And, and Mac played uh, when we needed to sub. And then outside, again, Landon Allen, um, he's a force there. Uh, he had an outstanding season last year, and we're expecting a lot of things from him. Uh, Luke Obermeyer also returns as an outside backer, so uh, those guys are good and, and do an outstanding job. Um, d- defense and offensive lines, you know, we've, we've got some guys that are going to be a little new. Uh, they played all the JV reps last year and, and got in on varsity, but uh, Max are really only restur- returning um, offensive and defensive linemen. Again, we're visiting with Southeast Sicilian head coach Mitch Gebhardt. Coach, I know it's a little over a week 
before the first game kicks off and everything, but that's not a lot of time in terms of installs and everything. I would expect you probably have a lot of things on your end already ready to go. What's the next week or so look like until the ball gets kicked off? You know, we, we got to just make sure we're doing things right. Um, we we got to we spent a lot of time in camp this summer putting everything in and, and things like that. And of course, we're tweaking them uh, a little bit here and there. But uh, we got we got to make sure and hone down exactly what we want to do on opening night. And uh, you know, we've we've kind of already started that. And next week for sure we will. Now, with this team, I mean, there's a lot of buzz, as always, this time of year with the success that you guys have had. How do you kind of continue to preach that with your team, not to get distracted about what maybe the expectations are outside of your locker room, but what really you expect from them as a, as a coaching staff and as a team inside? You know, and, and, and again, we go back to the 1-0 thing. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're ranked first or, or last or however however that is. Um, a lot of those uh, preseason rankings are on what you did the year before, and our kids know that. Uh, we got, we got to do what we do, um, you know, and, and work to go 1-0 and and work to get better every single week. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. Excited to see your team grow and look forward to getting to have breakfast with you once again at the Coach's Show. You bet. That sounds great. Thank you. Again, that was the head football coach of the Southeast DeSaline Trojans, Coach Mitch Gebhardt. Great stuff from him, as always. Very insightful and very confident about his group and what they're doing. Not not for cocky reasons, but just because they know what they're doing. They they have a good group of kids. They've had a good crop of kids. It starts in summer workout attendance and all the work that they've been putting in. Uh, and they have every reason to be confident. Let me tell you, just in watching the little bit of practice yesterday that I did see, they're big, they're fast, they're strong and they are well coached in every facet so those Trojans are going to be worth watching this season they open up the uh, slate next Friday uh, at home against the Rock Creek Mustangs uh, over from St. George near Manhattan so a uh, tough test for them to start the season but uh, should be a really fun one for him and his uh, his team next week but you can hear from coach Gebhardt every Saturday on our coaches corner interview uh Every Saturday at 8 a.m. during the football season, we hear from all of our local uh, football coaches. So you can tune in to hear from Coach Gebhardt as well as several other high school coaches uh, starting next Saturday. So have that to look forward to as well. But uh, this Saturday, college football gets underway. And the real marquee game of Saturday's Week Zero schedule involves the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And it's a very interesting game. For a lot of reasons, because one, Nebraska has a lot of potential this year. They bring back a lot of key pieces. They brought in a lot of exciting, important pieces, and they have struggled, to put it lightly, over the last couple of seasons. But this year, there's a lot of people that believe it could be a different story. Then they have to go and and try and prove it on the field. But not only do they have to try and prove it on the field in a normal setting for 11 weeks, their first game of the season, they're going to Dublin, Ireland. They're already there, in fact, and they're going to take on Conference Foe Northwestern Saturday morning, 11.30 a.m. kickoff Central Time. It'll be about, uh, I think, 5.30 p.m. in Dublin for their first kickoff. So they had a long flight, uh, have to get used to their settings, 
It's a, a soccer stadium that's been uh, fixed up for college football. So there's a lot of interesting stuff. But head coach Scott Frost met with the media for a little bit earlier today, uh, talking about the Huskers' practice as they get ready for their season opener and what the travel's been like and, and how the team has handled it all. So just a few minutes of this audio will be Scott Frost. The full interview is available uh, on YouTube from the Nebraska Athletics page. But uh, just a few minutes here of Nebraska football head coach Scott Frost. How's the week been? I mean, just break down kind of how the experience has been for you guys out here. You know, I'll be honest, I was really concerned coming over um, just because you, you can't anticipate everything. The guys that planned this did an unbelievable job, and our players have handled it really well. Um, so it, it's, it's been unbelievable. I think it's been a good experience for our players. But they're dialed in and ready to play. And they're doing a really good job of enjoying things when they need to enjoy it and then focusing when they need to focus, which is a sign of maturity. And uh, we've had a really good time. Does it feel like, I mean, did it feel like it's going to be a football game in a couple of days? Did it take a couple of days to maybe get the guys to, to move away from just travel and just focus on Northwestern, Northwestern, Northwestern? Not really. I think the way we travel was smart. Um, and it's probably not the only way to do it, but... We got here at 10 a.m. and brought them straight to the stadium and got their mind back on football and exercised them. And then we kept them up doing things all day. That was a really long two days kind of into one. And when they woke up the next day, we were right back at meetings and, and football. Um, so it kind of felt like a smooth transition straight back to football over here. And the guys are locked in. In terms of the kicking game in this unique roof, is it, is it ideal, you think, you know, keep your wind out? Have you guys thought much about that at all? Yeah, I think it's good. You know, I haven't been out on the stadium field yet here, but it's definitely windier outside than it is in, and this seems like a pretty controlled environment, so uh, I, don't, I don't anticipate any big problems. Chin said yesterday about the defense, I, I want to see if, if they're what I think they are. Um, he was referring to the defense. When you think about what your offense could be, what, it, what do you – what, do you, what have you seen in camp, and what do you hope you see on Saturday? I just want to see efficiency. I know I sound like a broken record with that, but it really doesn't matter what offense you're running. If you run it well, it can work. And the key to that is just operating with efficiency and speed. Um, I've seen that from these guys. They definitely know what they're doing. Uh, we've rehearsed it more times than we would for a normal game, and, and the guys are confident. So. Uh, my message to the team was they're ready to just go out and attack. But I, I really want to see that kind of mindset. Um, not playing tight, not worrying about anything, just going out and getting after it. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to on game day, during during the game, not having that headset or, or not calling plays, I guess? Uh, looking forward to? No, I'd say it, it's more uh, concern. It's just something I haven't done for a long time. But I've already thinking a lot about the the other things that I can add uh, if I don't have my head buried in a call sheet. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll be a different experience for me, but everybody else is going to be doing exactly what they've always done and what they're good at. So uh, I'm going to trust that and try to help where I can with more than one face. What offensive one coaches thing. will be in the box for you? We're, we're still discussing that. Um, Whip wants to call the, the game from the field, so I imagine most of our full-time guys will be down. What's maybe a thing that you're, you're looking forward to adding Saturday that you weren't able to do? Uh, I'll, I'll be able to go over and help with the special team as they're taking the field, help make some of those decisions, uh, be able to watch the game more on both sides of the ball. Um, you see things from the field, but again, if you're not having to think 100% about the next play call, particularly as fast as we went, I'll be able to watch the defense a lot more, 
uh, maybe help change by watching some of the things they're doing on offense. And, um, you know, we've done a good job, I think, of managing clock and doing things like that, but I'll definitely have more time for that as well. What's left for you guys before you come to the, feet, to the, to the stadium Saturday? But I know you have a workout tomorrow, but really how much is there still to do? We've kind of gone over this territory already back home, so we kind of had a lead up to the game before we left and another lead up to the game here. Uh, the guys have a couple more tours today. Um, then we got meetings tonight. Tomorrow's really focused on games. We have our Fast Friday tomorrow, and it'll it'll feel just like an away game at a hotel then for the rest of the day tomorrow. Um, pretty much the haze in the barn. Uh, I think we're ready, so we're looking forward to it. Some of the guys have said that this trip is really built their brotherhood even stronger than it was before. Have you seen that? How have you seen that? Yeah, we had a good time last night. Uh, they had one of their best practices yesterday. Uh, we got on the bus and went to dinner. At, they saw some traditional Irish music and some traditional Irish dancing. I think some of the old coaches like me were the only ones that knew some of the lyrics to the songs. Uh, <laughs> but they really got into it, enjoyed it. Um, this is a tight-knit group. and. I think they're going to be there for each other all year, and it's going to be fun to watch. Like they, I was going to say, it looked like they got to do some of the dancing, too. Did anyone surprise you with their uh, Irish dance moves up there? You know, only two guys got to dance. Um, Workerture and uh, Va both danced. I know for sure Va is an Irish. I don't know about Bork. <laughs> um, <laughs> they held their own. segment of in the zone on sports radio 1150 ksal james wessling making fun of my antics during the commercial break i'm doing the best i can okay i'm holding it together i I don't need this from you okay hanging on by a thread that board is a monster and it can be very (laughs) difficult to operate but the the moment that you just had right before we popped on the air reminded me of kevin james who does a phenomenal stand-up it's called Sweat the Small Stuff, and he talks about how just little things in life will just get under your skin and make you go crazy, but the big stuff, you don't really, you just kind of shrug your shoulders at, which is what my wife says I do all the time. So yeah. I can relate to the moment that you just had. When a button just won't quite hit right, sometimes you've just got to lose your mind yeah. and frustrate. Me, me and this board have a very much love-hate relationship, primarily stays on the hate side, but that's okay. I'm going to get past it. We're going to be all right. The Chiefs play the Packers tonight, in other news, uh, in their final preseason game uh, before they pack things up for training camp and head into uh, Kansas City to get ready for the start of the regular season. Uh, but the Chiefs will probably be without a lot of key key dudes tonight. Uh, I wouldn't expect a lot from Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. I think this game is primarily for a lot of players that are trying to solidify their roster spot uh, or, or at least improve their chances of getting a roster spot here tonight. Uh, but 7 o'clock is kickoff for the Chiefs and the Packers. And Arrowhead Addict, James, actually had an interesting article that it wrote. Uh, it was done by Lucas Strazinski. Hopefully I uh, said Lucas's last name right. But it was some players to watch who have a, a really good chance to, to decide their fate tonight against the, the Packers. So I'm going to give you some of these names. And you're okay. going to tell me if, if you know of them at all. 
if you expect them to push for a roster spot or if you can just probably assume they will not make the roster here. All right. I like that. We'll start with offensive tackle Prince Tiga Wanago. Does that ring a bell for you, James? It does not ring a bell. Now, I'm looking at a projected depth chart, so I'll, I'll throw that out there that in some ways you can make a case I'm cheating here. But no, I don't believe that Prince Tega Wanago is going to make this team. He's listed as the sixth offensive tackle on this Chiefs roster. That's just too many. On the unofficial depth charts, he was listed as the fourth string left tackle, uh, but his playing time has said otherwise. He apparently has played a pretty good amount, especially last week against the Commanders. He saw playing time with the second team offensive line at right tackle ahead of rookie Darian Kennard, who was playing on the third team. Uh, but uh, he's going to need a good outing today to try and keep the, himself in the scenario where he stays with this Chiefs squad, at least on the 53-man roster, uh, for some depth at the line. But with uh, Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley being locks to make the roster, it's probably going to be a, a pretty tough go uh, for Tiga Wanago to make the roster. Next up, linebacker Jermaine Carter. He was in March to try and replace Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman, and was kind of viewed as as the third linebacker behind Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. But that was before Leo Chanel was drafted. Uh, and today, he's battling Darius Harris for one of the backup Mike linebacker roles behind Bolton. Uh, for those who are listening that maybe not don't exactly know what the Mike linebacker role is. That's the green dot. He's like the quarterback of the defense. He calls out the signals. Um, but it's it's going to be really difficult, I think, for Jermaine Carter to make the roster, James. What do you, what say you and your your depth chart over there, you cheater? Um, I, I think that you're probably right. He probably doesn't make the roster because the Chiefs typically only have two linebackers on the field anyway. At the same time, we know that's going to be Willie Gay and Nick Bolton as the two starters. But as you noted, they drafted Leo Chanel, who's been phenomenal in the preseason, is going to play a ton for Kansas City. But then they also signed, and we didn't really touch on this much when it happened because it kind of flew under the radar. They signed former K-State linebacker Elijah Lee from the Browns, and he's had a phenomenal camp. So I definitely think he's going to make this roster. He played some pretty good football with the 49ers and then his one season in Cleveland last year. He was definitely serviceable. So if they do keep a fifth linebacker, then it's a a coin flip between Harris, who you just mentioned, and Jermaine Carter. But I remember when they signed Jermaine Carter, he was a really good linebacker with the Jets on a Jets defense that was a pretty good defense. I mean, he Mm. was starting. uh, He was very productive and then uh, ultimately kind of bounced around Carolina and now Kansas City. So I was kind of pumped when they signed him, but I'm going to say 50-50 coin flip. All right, we'll stay on the defense here, and it's two guys, actually. Uh, Inside defensive lineman or interior defensive lineman Taylor Stallworth and Danny Shelton. The Chiefs recently signed Danny Shelton, and he's really made waves just for his sheer size. But uh, we'll see if he actually sticks to the roster. I couldn't tell you much about Taylor Stallworth, to be honest with you. Uh, But um, these two guys are battling for for depth spots on the interior defensive line for the Chiefs. And then the last guy listed is actually an offense, a guy who could maybe make himself useful in the special teams situations. Uh, It's receiver Corey Coleman uh, as part of a 
potentially very crowded receiver room with Smith Schuster and McCole Hardman, Sky Moore, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but do you see Corey Coleman? giving himself a shot on the Chiefs roster here, James. You know, I think Corey Coleman could be a prime candidate to be on the practice squad because it keeps him on the roster. He was a phenomenal receiver in college at Baylor. You might remember the name Corey Coleman because of how good he was with the Bears. He was drafted in one of the earlier rounds and started his NFL career in Cleveland. Even without a quarterback, he still had a couple of pretty productive seasons, and he is a burner. So when the Chiefs, again, when they picked him up in free agency, I knew that he would be in the mix. I haven't seen much production from him, mostly because I haven't watched a lot of the Chiefs' preseason, so I couldn't tell you what his numbers are. (laughs) I couldn't tell you how many snaps he's been on the field, but he just seems like a guy that could be a good guy to have on the practice squad if, like, a McCole Hardman gets hurt, if a Sky Moore gets hurt. Guys that you're really counting on in special teams, he could be called up and he could fill that role. We'll see. Uh, he's These are all guys that you're probably going to see and see a lot tonight because the Chiefs coaching staffs and the, the front office folks, they need to see a lot of reps from these guys to make sure they're making the best decision possible and trying to get this roster from the 80 that it is at currently down to 53 uh, by next week. So a lot of cuts to be made, a lot to be learned from tonight. You may not find it as exciting with all those Key players really not getting a lot of action, but it's very, very important stuff. Uh, But that is just about going to wrap up our show for you today. Again, if you missed anything early in the show, talked about the injury to Ioka Lee. We also heard from Mitch Gebhardt, the head football coach at Southeast of Saline, and some audio from Scott Frost, the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. That's all available on our Spotify. Search In The Zone on KSAL on Spotify. For James Wessling, I'm Jackson Schneider saying see you tomorrow (laughs) from our downtown Salina studio. (laughs) 